this is the Lucy Beatrix podcast. Thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, I'm talking about my very first marathon race and how I broke three hours as well as the training, recovery, fuel, hydration, and what my future looks like as a runner. Over the past four months, I joined Nike Project Moonshot a program designed to help athletes reach their far-out marathon goals to embark on chasing down my own running dream. My goal? To not only complete the epic distance of the marathon, but to do it fast. And on Sunday, December 8th, 2019, I did exactly that at the California International Marathon. Before training with Nike began, I had run a handful of races from 5Ks to half marathons. And because I don't come from any kind of athletic background, it never occurred to me that I could treat running competitively until I ran that first half marathon in 2016 when I I ran a 123 or a time that landed me eighth place overall out of several thousand runners, 7,500 something runners. It wasn't long after that that the marathon began calling my name. But due to a string of injuries over the next few years, I didn't know how or when I could go after this heroic feat of running a marathon. I knew I had it in me or what it takes to run 26.2 miles straight, but I didn't know how to set myself up for success and train the right way. But then that all changed last spring when the possibility of training with Nike came along. I had heard so much about the program, Project Moonshot, since it emerged from Breaking 2, Nike's mission to help man break two hours in the marathon. So when I applied to Project Moonshot, I mentioned my past with running and how I stumbled into the sport as a means to balance my hectic career as a fashion model and how I managed to do well at a few races, including placing first place in a recent half marathon. And I declared that my moonshot goal was to run my debut marathon within the U.S. Olympic Standard Qualifying Time, or to OTQ, given that would mean doubling my personal best half marathon time. My mission was simple. Run how I always do, but with a little fine-tuning and guidance from the people who know what they are doing. I knew that if I really had a dream like that, I wasn't going to be able to do it alone. So joining Nike Project Moonshot was nothing I'd ever come close to doing in the past. And as soon as I got accepted, I dove right in. Suddenly, I was working alongside seasoned coaches and a bunch of other incredible athletes. As I met all these talented runners, I made more friends than I ever have in my entire adult life. It wasn't long before I started hitting the track and putting down times that gave me even more reason to believe in myself. The people I was running with lifted me up and made me feel like I was part of a whole new community, so I decided to join their team, which is an entire different, entirely different entity than Project Moonshot, called the Brooklyn Track Club. It just so happens that a lot of the people that were on Project Moonshot were also on this local team, so that's why I made the shift. But so with both Project Moonshot and my new team, Brooklyn Track Club, I immersed myself in the sport like never before. I felt like I belonged, and I was on the right track to get really close to chasing down my marathon goal. So my training was not complicated at all. 
Each week, I ran three harder effort days, which included a track workout, a tempo workout, and a long run. Sandwiching those harder days, I ran easy recovery days on soft surface, meaning the Woodway treadmill for me because that's just a personal preference for balancing out all of the other miles on concrete or city streets. So my weekly mileage based on my body's strong aerobic base, because before I was running or before I started this training cycle, I was used to doing, you know, 90 minutes of cardiovascular activity, whether it's on the elliptical or the Stairmaster a day. So I have that base and I'm also used to running quite a bit. So I started my weekly mileage in the beginning of this cycle in the mid 60s for mid 60. um, So it was like 65 miles per week. And then I peaked in the mid 90s. I think I was at about 94 miles a week for a few weeks in the middle there before I started tapering. And I took a complete rest day once every 10 to 12 days, or if I really felt like it, just depending on where I was. Sometimes I wanted to rest, you know, I take a rest day once a week, or sometimes I would take a rest day every 14 days. It just kind of like evened out to be once every 10 to 12 days. That said, and most importantly, I run because I love it. And I never ran during this training cycle without wanting to. And while everyone has days that they feel tired or sluggish, I always wanted to be doing exactly what I was doing. I never felt like anything was too much or too hard. And if I did, I would back off. As far as fueling goes, uh, the same way that training has to align with a runner's unique ability and background, I think that goes for how I went about food and fuel. I ate how I like to eat, and it happens to be ideal for the way my training demanded uh, extra calories, meaning I ate tons of rice and tofu, nuts, beans, hummus, greens, carrots, sweet potatoes, avocados, fruit, and tons of chocolate, as well as dairy-free ice cream. And now looking back, uh, I guess I happen to be mostly plant-based or vegan this entire training cycle. But that's because that's what I like. It's not for any kind of like ethical mission or something. It's just what's really affordable (laughs) since tofu and rice are pretty, pretty cheap. So as far as racing fuel, I jumped on board with what a lot of my training partners were doing during long runs and used the Mauritan Gel 100s and water during those 20-something milers. And when I raced, I tried to mimic exactly that. So I took in, you know, several Mauritian gels during my race and counted on water. But I'll get into more about the hydration on race day in a little bit. As far as recovery goes, uh, I do believe that rest is huge. And for every time I went hard running, I had those easy runs on soft surface to balance it out. I also spent a lot of time straight up chilling, watching Netflix, watching HBO, I would say that rest during this entire cycle was my strength, and I got really good at having time on my feet that felt like active recovery, which I think is really big for the marathon, just like consistent, um, low-intensity mileage to just let everything kind of flush out, because I have a theory that I believe a lot in, which is the whole body in motion stays in motion. So as I would do these hard days, I think I needed to like get the soreness out the next day and have like super easy days to balance it up. As far as race day goes, everyone who said you never know until race day is correct. 
Meaning you never know how you're going to feel. You never know how you're going to react to stuff until you're actually there doing it for the very first time. And since I had had no prior experience with the marathon, uh, racing it, I just didn't know what to expect, but I prepared as much as I possibly could. So I, when it came to race day, I had all the conditions to make it a perfect day. My training was spot on and indicated that I could reach my goal of sub 245 if in fact the stars aligned. I had put in the work and all that could be left was to hope it would show up on race day. I got a lot of help from one of the coaches on my team, Kate, and I turned to her for guidance here and there, but um, I specifically went to her saying like, I don't know how to taper because tapering just didn't, didn't, I didn't understand it. Like suddenly you're running so much less, but you want to stay sharp and you want to stay fast. So you're not surprised on race day that like a six minute mile pace feels fast you know you need to keep it moving so I told her I didn't know what to do and she wrote me back like a three-week plan of like how to taper and I took her words to heart about resting hard in those last two weeks because there's nothing more you can increase with fitness at that point like given how close you are to the race you're not going to suddenly be able to do something you couldn't do in that time span before the race so really it's just about keeping it fresh but also really chill and relaxed So when I got to the starting line in Sacramento, I was chomping at the bit, ready to go. It was amazing, and I felt like I was exactly where I wanted to be, looking around at all the other runners. I didn't feel nervous. I felt just so excited. So when the race began, I was in it. My head and my legs were 100% present, careful not to get caught up in the heat of the moment as I was warned because it's so common for people to go out at like a super fast pace thinking they're going to kill it but they need to save that energy so I tried to you know back off and stay in it like not go too too hot out the gates and every 30 minutes or so I was sucking down gels and it seemed as though I could keep my gold marathon pace forever But I learned the hard way that you never really know until race day, unless you are smart and look it up, how crucial it is to hit those first few water tables. My downfall was not taking enough in enough water or rather missing all those tables only to find myself drier than the Sahara Desert with 13 more miles to go. Uh, 13.1 more miles to go. So basically halfway through the half marathon mark, I I was thinking it was at 123 or 122 something. And I was like, okay, this is per- like this is exactly where I want to be on pace. But I just was so dehydrated. And I'm like, how am I going to make up for this? Because I zigzagged around other runners on the course trying to make sure I could grab what I could. But that was wasting energy. At one point, I was at a 550-minute mile pace because I saw a water station coming up. And I was trying to get to it in time, but I couldn't cross over people. So I was just wasting my efforts and still not getting relief of finding water. So the struggle was spending the last 13 miles making up for that feeling. And to see some miles clock in significantly slower than the goal race pace added an extra amount of stress. But luckily, I had talked about this with Coach Kate beforehand. Um, And she had prepared me mentally for what I was to do if I was in the thick of the race, unable to achieve my goal of 245. But you know, like where my head should be for that. Because I said to her before I even did the race, um, a couple of weeks before, I said, well, what if I just can't stay with that 245 pace group? Or like, you know, what do I do? Because I just wanted to have a backup plan. But so she had encouraged me then, and I thought about it during the race, to stay strong for the goal, my second goal, which was sub three, meaning breaking three hours. 
So in the moment, I brought, I'd say this was around mile 13, I brought my moonshot goal down to earth and aimed for running sub three hours. I could do the math in my head pretty quickly about how much time I had left and what my miles would have to look like. And in that mindset, it was a little bit more of a relief and I could easily hold on. I stayed steady and would say that this race then started to feel more comfortably uncomfortable rather than an all-out fight, which I think it would have had to be to try to hit my original goal pace. But that um, there was a risk of that thinking, okay, well, if I do go all out, um, I could end up not finishing the race. That's that's another thing that I crossed my mind. I was like, you know, it's a 20 mile mark. I could just gun it, but then I really might not finish. So I just stuck with, yes, sub three, I'm going to do this. And so two hours and 55 minutes after the starting gun, I was crossing the finish line and into the arms of one of my teammates who's amazing. She's an amazing marathoner. And I knew that I had done the right thing because I ran smart. Even though I had more in the tank, which is a little bit unnerving when you finish a marathon because it makes you think you could have gone harder, I ran to finish and to show my body what that distance feels like. I didn't pass out at the end or burst into tears like some of the people I saw who had OTQ'd. And, you know, a little part of me, thats it's hard for me to see that thinking, oh, I wish I had because that would have been such a special moment. But I did what I could do. And I smiled and thought, that was actually really fun, and um, I did enjoy it. So that afternoon, after a hot shower and some downtime, I thought more about how the marathon really is a mind game. Your body can feel great for a few miles as you see yourself doing what you set out to do, but then just a few things can go wrong, like missing some water tables, and you're unsure if you can even finish. And somehow, when you do muster the strength to keep going, that sense of accomplishment at the finish line makes you want to do it all again, or at least that's how I felt. And I know that Sunday wasn't my day to hit the U.S. Olympic standard, but what a crazy dream in the first place. It's amazing that I could even think about it and have it be that much within reach in the first place, given, you know, I never ran a marathon before, but like to, to have that as a goal, I think is the most amazing thing in the world. And I don't know when I'll get another chance to go after it, given we don't know if 2.45 will be the qualifying time in 2024 or if there's even a possibility that I could try between now and February, at the end of February. It doesn't look like it at this point, but I've, I've put feelers out. So who cares? It's just kind of like that's up in the air. I know that what I have in my legs is not going to waste and that I've gained so much fitness from this whole process. And most, most above all, um, importantly, I do know that I was born to run. I love this sport and I can't wait to see where my marathoning adventures take me. I'm looking into next fall and, you know, beyond because I technically qualified for Boston, which was a, a nice like a bonus to the whole thing by over 35 minutes. So I'm, who knows, maybe I'll do Boston at some point, but I'm grateful that I crossed the finish line knowing in my heart that this really is just the start. Well, guys, that was my little race recap. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I had a great time in Sacramento. I just feel like the whole thing was such a learning experience and I know so much more now. But 
Uh, if you want to reach out to me, I've been posting so much about all this on Instagram at Lucy, L-U-C-I-E, The Viking. And so I love to hear from you guys all the feedback as well as what you think I should do because I'm open to advice. I don't have any races on the books right now, um, but I have the fitness and I'm not ready for the season to be over because I spent so much time like downtime on my feet that I'm just like, I mean, I'm off my feet when I was injured that I'm just like, I feel great and I don't know. So until next time, just be fast, just win. <laughs>